I'd like to start off by saying what a privilege it is to be today. I'd like for you, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me, we're going to be in the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 10, book of Acts chapter 10. And I'd like to, for us to look at the conversion of the first Gentile to the church. Now his name was Cornelius, Cornelius. A lot of you probably know this story. Uh, where Peter comes after him and uh, Cornelius have a dream. They come together, directed by the Holy Spirit and the angels, or the angel and the Holy Spirit. And um, Cornelius is saved along with uh, his family. So let's look for a second. And uh, we have to understand that there were proselyte Gentiles that were circumcised and no doubt we're already saved. Now what I mean by that is uh, the Jews. We, we need to understand that the Gentiles, Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a Roman centur uh, uh, centurion. And he was probably commanding uh, at least a hundred men, maybe more. And he was part of the Italian regiment. Uh, we'll get into that when we get to the scripture. But I like to say that uh, Cornelius was a Gentile and in the Jewish tradition Gentiles were not accepted by the Jews and it was forbidden for the Jews to have anything to do with the Gentiles especially coming into their home or to have a meal with them or talk to them whatever the case may be uh, they were forbidden to do this um, they were considered the uncircumcised and the Jews were the circumcised meaning that uh, they were from the from the uh, father Abraham, and that was the covenant uh, right on you know from from the law. So they didn't accept the Gentiles. So there were there were proselytes that did, uh, and a proselyte is a Gentile that converted to a Jew. He was circumcised and and did all the requirements that the Jewish law required him to do be, to become part of the Jewish religion. Now this does not mean that he was a Jew. He was called a proselyte. He was a, he was a Gentile accepting the Jewish ways. So the uncircumcised Gentile was not accepted by the Jew, as we'd said earlier, and they were forbidden to have anything to do with them. Now we find the story in Acts chapter 10 in the town of Caesarea with a man named Cornelius. And as I said earlier, he's a Roman centurion. Historically, we should look at two other events that took place prior to this event. Now, number one is, in Acts chapter 6, we find the appointment of the deacons. We find the appointment of the deacons, which included Stephen and Philip and, and the others. Now, Acts chapter 9, we have the conversion of Saul, who was later called Paul and wrote uh, a good portion of the New Testament in the epistles of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Now we'll go back to chapter 10. We find Cornelius, like I said, he's a Roman centurion of the Italian regiment. He was in control or in command, I should say, of at least 100 men, maybe more. We're going to have different scriptures, uh, if you will, in, in Acts chapter 10, uh, starting with verse 1-2. Actually, the scripture is going to cover 90% of that chapter, but we're going to be jumping from 
uh, verses. We're going we're gonna to leave out some verses like 1 and 2, then we're going to go to 22, 23, and, and so forth and so on. So if you will, just open your Bible to chapter 10 and follow along. I'll give you the, the number, the verse previous before we start. Now, I like to say the Italian band that we're talking about uh, was probably a band or a regiment that was composed of soldiers from Italy. It was composed of soldiers from Italy. Uh, in distinction from those which were composed of soldiers born in provinces, the Roman provinces, uh, the Italian regiment was uh, Ita uh, from Italy or Italians. It is evident that many of the soldiers in the Roman army would be those who were born in other parts of the world. Okay, and it is to get altogether probable that those who were born in Rome or Italy would claim preeminence over those enlisted in other places. Uh, so they were taking a priority in themselves, being that they were Italian and, and in Rome, uh, and they would probably. Uh, get things that the other soldiers weren't able to get because of their nationality or whatever. But first of all, let's look at Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Okay, Cornelius sends a delegation. Cornelius sends a delegation. Now it says here in the scriptures that uh, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a devout man, one who feared God and with all his household. Not only did he fear God, but his whole household feared God. Okay? And he gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. He prayed to God always. So he is a centurion, a Roman Gentile, that believes in the Jewish uh, the of uh, the God of the Jews. He's a devout man, meaning he's religious. He fears God. He pays alms to the poor or to the church to, to to the temple and to the people, and he prayed to God always. So it seems to me that reading this description that he was an individual that was saved. But as we get into our lesson and to this message, we're going to see that Cornelius was not saved. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for this opportunity that you have given us. Father, I pray that this message would fall on the ears of the unbeliever and that today that they would give their lives and their hearts to Jesus Christ, accepting his death, burial, and resurrection and forever be saved by your grace. Father, be with us now. May your spirit work in this vessel that your word will not come back void. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we see now that Cornelius, like I said, devout man, feared God, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed to God always. And then we look in verse 22 and 23. Verse 22. And they were still in chapter 10. And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, is a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews. He had a good reputation. Now to be a Roman in those days and to be 
have a good reputation with the Jews, I think would be kind of hard to do, being that they were such a ruthless uh, group of people. They were crucifying people and, and the, uh, the laws and the torment they had of unbelievers, you know, idol worshipers and so forth. And uh, he was divinely instructed by, now here it comes, he was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you, Peter, to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. Okay. The man Cornelius, point number one, the man Cornelius. He was a Gentile. It says he was religious. Verses two, uh, verse two says he was a devout man, a very religious man. So, and we, we, we've said this before, but he feared God. Verse two continues saying that he feared God and all his household feared God. Now, Proverbs 1 7, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 1 7 states that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So Cornelius, by fearing God, was getting knowledge about God. Yet, we must remember that even though he was in this a devout man, fearing God, Praying to God always, he was unsaved. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. He was benevolent, charitable. Uh, he gave alms generously. Verse 2 says that again. And he was uh, of good report. Verse 22 states he was a just man, good reputation among the nation of the Jews. They liked him. He, if he'd done something... Uh, the Jews respected him, looked up to him, and uh, he had a good rapport with those with those folks. Uh, he was prayerful. Verse two again says he prayed to God always. We we talked about this before, but I want to point out to you that he was devout. He prayed. He gave alms. He had a good reputation. He had all the things that I see people today in the world that have. I see them today in the world. They have good jobs. They have good money. They make good money. They give a tenth of all they have to the church. They belong to the church. They were baptized. They do all the things that they're supposed to do, yet they're unsaved. He was prayerful. We said that. He was unsaved. Acts 11, <clears throat> excuse me, Acts 11, verses 12 and 14 Verse 14 states, who will tell you words? He's talking about the angels saying that Peter is going to tell you, Cornelius, words by which you and all your household will be saved. Now look back in verse 1 and 2. If he was saved by being devout, believing God, being uh, generous with his alms, and praying contention, uh, why did the angel say he wasn't saved? Why did it say that if he listens to Peter, that you will be saved. So point number two is, what was he lacking in his life? What's lacking in his life? He had much that was commendable, but he needed two things. He needed two things. We need two things in the churches today because people are going to the social club, they're looking at the church as a social club, and they need these two things to be saved before the end comes because when Jesus comes back it's going to be too late 
And if you don't have these two things, you will be lost. You will be lost and you'll spend eternity in the fires of hell. There's no doubt. that The Bible teaches that. I believe it. And so be it. Okay. The message of Christ. There's number one. He had to hear the message. Okay. Let me go back to verse 14 above. Uh, where he said, you tell, he, Peter will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. By hearing this, you will be saved. Also in Romans 10, 14. Now this is very, very interesting. How then shall they call on him, meaning uh, Jesus, in whom they have not believed? Okay. Now this is pointing to Cornelius. Cornelius, <laughs> Cornelius was, was uh, in good rapport with the Jews. He believed in God. He, he was a devout person. All those things we discussed in 1 and 2 and, and so forth. But it says that he did not believe. He did not believe what? He did not believe the message of Christ. They call, <clears throat> that shall they call on him in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Cornelius could not believe in Jesus because he didn't know him. And that's what the angel said. Cornelius is praying to God. He's reaching out to God. But the rules have changed in, in the salvation plan. And now the only way to get to the Father is through the Son. And he needs to hear about Jesus. And then the last part of that uh, verse says, And now shall they hear, or how shall they hear without a preacher? How are they going to get the word today? How's people today going to receive the good news about Jesus Christ and the salvation of being saved by God's grace and without a preacher, without somebody telling them, a preacher, a deacon preacher, a person preacher, a street preacher, a church preacher. A preacher is a preacher. As long as he's pre preaching the gospel, he's a preacher. He's bringing a message of sweetness. It says, how sweet are the, the, the soles of the feet of the one that brings the gospel. How precious is that? So we come to, to the next part. He says the message he needed. He needed to be preached to. Acts 10 verses 34 through 42 simply say this. It says, now now let's, let's look at Peter for a minute. Peter was in um, his home or at a, at a place. He was up on the roof. And he fell into a trance. And the sheep was lowered and raised three times. There was all kinds of animals there. And, and the vision says, kill Peter and eat. And Peter said, no way. He says, I've never put anything unclean in my mouth. And then, they, and then the vision says, don't say everything's unclean. Those things that God's clean are clean. So what he was seeing is that God has made it possible for the Jew and for the Gentile to be saved and receive salvation. So Peter opens his mouth and, and at Cornelius and says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Now we know that God is not prejudiced. He shows no uh, partiality, uh, that he loves everybody, irregardless of, of who, the color, or whatever. And uh, he wants everybody to be saved. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. They have to be able to, they have to work righteousness um, 
God loves the sinner, but he does not accept them because they're unclean. So uh, through Jesus Christ and Christ's righteousness, we're accepted by God because of Jesus. Now the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. God was with him, Jesus. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Peter is telling them the story of Jesus, how he was treated, the things he did, and then he was killed and hung on a tree on the cross. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to use who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and testify that it is he who or he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is a judge of the living and the dead. Now, the introduction of 10, 34, 35. Chapter 10, verse 34, 35. And here said, that's when Peter opened his mouth and he started telling the truth. Okay, the life of Christ. Because what I'm saying is, in 34, verse uh, 34 and 35, Peter is giving the introduction to Cornelius. He opens his mouth and says, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. In truth I see that God has accepted the Gentiles. That's what Peter's saying. And he says, then in, in verse 36, 38, he talks about the life of Christ. The word which God, which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. He is still Lord of all. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ the Son. Okay, now, uh, the resurrection, or excuse me, the death of Christ is verse 39. They hung him on a tree. Um, let's see, 39, and we are witnesses to all these things, that both the land of the Jews and the Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree or crucified on the cross okay and then this is the most important part we have the resurrection of Christ verse 40 and 41 had Jesus not been resurrected then salvation would be lost because that's the whole story of the message that he conquered death and is yet still alive the resurrection of Christ verses 40 and 41 him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Showed him openly. There was a place uh, where he was seen by 500. The proclamation of Christ in verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God 
to be the judge of the living and the dead. He had to believe, Cornelius had to believe the message and believe in Christ. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Will receive remission of sins. Okay, then we have the three elements uh, in the saving faith. He hears and believes the facts. So Cornelius, uh, Peter is telling Cornelius and his household uh, the facts. Uh, there again, okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 2, 4 is telling about the gospel of Jesus, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain, unless you believed in vain, falsely. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, okay, and that he was buried, meaning that he was very much dead if they buried him, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. Okay, once he has the facts, and this applies to anybody in the church today, you have to have the facts. The facts is your holy Bible. The Bible points to Jesus and all its and everything in it. The whole Bible points towards Jesus. Then he has the decision of the will. He has to decide that he's going to will himself to repentance. Oh, I believe this. I believe in Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit comes on them and they repent and accept Christ and his, uh, the gospel of Christ. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come that's in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 verse 9 and then once they receive the facts they, they make a decision with their will that they're going to believe it and then they make a committal. They commit themselves to him. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I give myself to you. I surrender all. I want to do your will to bring you glory and praise in the name of Jesus. So that's what they did. And 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Until what day? Until the day that, eternity, uh, that the age is over. Till the day that uh, you go into glory. Uh, when, you, when you pass away or you die on this earth and you go into glory or into eternity, you're going to be in one of two places. You're going to be in total damnation because you didn't really believe in Christ, you were just a social person in the church, or you're going to be a saint, you're going to be with Jesus in heaven, and that's the day. And so Paul, so he's saying here that he's persuaded that he is able to keep, that Jesus is able to keep what I have committed, what I have committed myself to do, Jesus is going to empower me 
until that day that I go to be with him. Now, the last point we look at is say, well, what he received. Okay, now, now let's review just a minute. He accepted the facts. He heard the gospel. He decided with his mind and his will that he was going to believe what he just heard. So then he makes a committal to, to a commitment to him, to Jesus, and says, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I believe the gospel. I believe your gospel. I believe it. And what does he receive now for what he has done? So Acts uh, chapter 10, verses 43, 48. Here's what happens. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. We, we said that earlier. While Peter, now here it comes. While Peter was still speaking these words, Peter hadn't even finished talking yet. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished astonished as many as came with Peter. Peter had an entourage that came with him as well as Cornelius's household and, and, and the Bible says that when Peter came that Cornelius bowed before Peter and started worshiping him. Peter said, oh no, don't do that. He said, I'm a man like yourself. And then, then they started conversing about what the angel told him and Peter started telling him about this. So uh, the Holy Spirit then falls on the Gentiles. Before Peter's even through speaking, they receive the Holy Spirit. The Gentiles. The Jews are blown away. They can't believe it. They're astonished. They're like, oh my goodness. It says the circumcised who believed were astonished as many that came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Also. See? Meaning that they had already had the Holy Spirit poured out on them the day of Pentecost, but now the, it's poured out on the Gentiles, and it says also, meaning them too. So, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnifying God. Now, Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. They asked Peter, a Jew, to stay with them a few days, probably to teach them the story of Jesus. What, you know, what, where he, the life of Jesus that Peter knew very well. He knew how the, the whole thing went down. And um, by doing this, he had a remission of sins that he believed in Jesus and he received the remission of sins and then he receives the Holy Spirit that fell on them brothers and sisters when we when we accept Christ and he comes into our life and we believe in our hearts and we make a mind decision in our will just like Cornelius did that we're going to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and we've Persuade in our heart, persuaded in our heart that we're going to accept it, the Holy Spirit comes to live. The same Holy Spirit, the same uh, conditional rules that, that Cornelius in his household got saved on applies to us today. Jesus did not change in the 2,000 years. Okay? He's the same Jesus. He's the Son of God, creator of all things, Lord of lords, King of kings. He's coming back to receive the kingdom 
and to place his throne in Jerusalem. Now there's people that don't believe that and they don't have to believe that but that doesn't mean it's not true. They are coming to a time in this world today that this age is going to come to an abrupt stop. You can see the prophecies coming true all across the world today. Uh, for one, for instance, um, look at look at uh, Ezekiel thirty or Ezekiel thirty-eight thirty-nine. Look what it says in there, and then look at the nations that are rising up against Israel. The very ones that the Bible mentions will bring themselves against Israel. Look at uh, Isaiah chapter seventeen, and look at. Uh, Damascus and Syria. I look at Syria and see what's going on today. Look at the the uh, all the all the sin and everything going on in the world. That how much longer is God going to put up with this? God is going to bring His wrath on this world in its calamity, just the way the story tells it in the Bible. The Bible tells the story. We are the winners. The devil and his angels. And all the sinners and unbelievers in the world today are going to be cast into the burning lake of fire. The Bible says that, and I believe it wholeheartedly. I have to believe it. I'm preaching the word. I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to an unsaved nation, to an unsaved world. And I'm telling you that Jesus is coming back. And if you're not saved and know him as your personal savior, that you are going to be condemned to hell. I know that's hard, and I don't want to uh, be hard about it, but that's the truth. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't tell the nice, rosy bosy part of it without telling the consequences of what happens if you don't do it. So Jesus is the answer. It's a free gift that God gives us through his grace. Brothers and sisters, don't let this day go by without telling Jesus that you love him and that you repent of your sins and you accept his uh, gospel, you believe it, accept it in your heart, and he will come and save you. He will come and the Holy Spirit will reside with you and your life will be changed. It says that you will be a new creature. Well, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunities that we have to speak with you. And I'd like to close uh, this message with a special prayer and would you join me now for this prayer let's let's pray together uh, a special prayer father we know that the time in this whole world is short we know lord that we're living in the last day that your children lord the the, the saints and, and the children through jesus christ see the prophecies being fulfilled in the world we see the the handwriting on the wall if you will and we know lord that there are so many so very many lost and still not believing in the world today father i pray that tonight or today would be a special day that people would hear the hear your voice they would uh, commit their lives to you they would believe the gospel accept jesus as your son and knowing that on that cross, that, that day, that he died uh, a horrible death, that his blood was shed to pay the price for sin in the world, and that no other way, no other way can anyone come to you, Father, except through Jesus, your beloved Son. 
Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave your son to die, to be a sacrifice, to pay the price for the sin that I could never pay. I couldn't imagine, Lord, living uh, my life on this planet or in this earth, knowing that when I died that there was no hope that I was condemned to hell. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died in my place and made it possible for me to be with you. I just praise you and I pray that your spirit will go out convicting people, your, your, uh, the unbelievers in the world, that they would come and believe in you. Lord Jesus, we pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen and amen.